you in the name of all that is good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. I want to stand up here and say that that thing with the announcements was just Reverend Janae and I running a little test to see if the AV team was paying attention, but I won't do that. <laughs> it's kind of fun to get up here and get discombobulated and then go back and get combobulated to come back up here to do something else. So, you are limitless. You can do anything you want. How many of you, you know, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I wonder how many of you maybe had a little self-back talk up there in internal that said something like this, no, or yeah, right. I, I'm sure maybe, you know, the nine o'clockers might have had it, but you probably wouldn't. You know, it's true that as human beings, we do have unlimited potential. And even knowing that this is true, we also know full well that there, are, that there are some things that we are good at or better at than others. So honestly, how can we say that we're unlimited? This, like many other of our new thought proclamations, often trigger our not enough backtalk. And one of the reasons I think that is, is the idea of limitlessness is so big, we can't wrap our minds around it. It's sort of like reading in the paper about a company in China that is 300 and $5 billion in debt, and they missed an $83 million interest payment. Now, that's so huge, I can't do anything with that except think, well, you know, oops, somebody should not have gotten a credit card. <laughs> so let's step back to something that is more relatable. <laughs> you know, last week, Reverend James shared a story about a math teacher who said that some people don't think they are good at math, and it was her job to help those people find that ability and find where they could do it. Now, intellectually, I knew what he was doing with that. He was offering an example of how, with encouragement and attention, we can accomplish a great deal, even if we start with some doubts. But I had a personal triggerment moment. I immediately thought of the people who have what we call learning disabilities. Now, people with dyslexia absolutely can learn to read, and people with dys dyscalculia can learn basic arithmetic functions. And if you haven't heard of that one, that's the math the side of, of, of the learning disability. Now, I know this because my brain refuses to keep numbers in stock for more than a few seconds. And when I was in school, no one even talked about learning disabilities. So it was all about, for me, it was not trying enough, or, you know, why don't you do this? You're really smart. How come you don't do this? 
And of course, girls are not good at math. There was that one. You know, as an adult, I have still been told that if I did it enough, I would still get it. And just recently, I was told that I just wasn't exposed enough to math, and if I had been exposed more, I'd be able to do it. Well, no. It's just how my brain developed. I can do basic arithmetic, trick, yeah. And I can remember phone numbers, but I transpose numbers, and I often confuse fives and eights, and so you really don't want me to be your bookkeeper. The pressure to not be this way can be kind of annoying, and yet sometimes I will intentionally bring it up in a conversation if it's appropriate, just to see what happens. And still, I hear, well, you could do it if you really wanted to. Again, no, I cannot. And I think some of these conversations are meant to try to make me feel better, or perhaps the listener feel better, but I don't need to feel better. This is how I am. I like my, how my brain works, thank you very much. So why do we have this idea that we can do anything we want? And why don't we believe it? Well, first there is a thing in the United States, it's a cultural thing. And it is, America is a place where you can become anything you want, right? Anybody can grow up to be president, you can be anything you want. The field is wide open. Find your passion. Go buy one of those 3,000 books out there on finding your passion. And we also have a kind of a perfection complex in this country. When you combine those two, we are ripe for an avalanche of not being good enough ever. It just piles on us. Now, I have a friend who comes from Canada, and he told me that he didn't grow up with that wide open, go for all of it energy. He said expectations are more down to earth and practical. So he didn't feel that pressure growing up. And then of course, with you know, new thought, we kind of add on to that. And it is absolutely true that as humans, we have unlimited potential, but the key word is potential. Yet when you are sitting there in the morning with that cup of coffee, trying to wake up enough to get across the room, and you aren't feeling very unlimited at that point, are you? You just want a nap. And then at some point, you realize that you are not living up to your potential. And in that moment, you start beating yourself up for it. You go, bad metaphysician, bad. Well, we or others set our expectations so high, we can't, when we set our expectations so high that we can't even imagine them, we're actually setting ourselves up for moral limitation. You can overcome your self-imposed limitation even if you have a personality that conforms to the idea of limitation. And some of us have that more than others, and some of us have been trained into it more than others. Indeed, your natural personality and your life experiences are the way you set up limitations in your life in the first place. You might beat yourself up for buying into the limitations set by others, but when you really look at what happened, you might see that you were uncomfortable with the situation, so you made yourself comfortable by setting up a limitation, by putting up barriers. And that's how you can create a limitation. But you didn't do it because somebody else made you. You did it because there were times when the limiting ideas thrown at you, I'm sorry. <laughs> you didn't do it because of what someone else made you do. 
Because there are times when limiting ideas thrown at you didn't re you, and you didn't respond because for whatever reason you were not uncomfortable. Take a look at the things that you rebelled against. Consider the times that you simply did it your own way in spite of the guidance that was being sent your way. And then ask yourself why you said, no, I've got this in one instance and created a limitation in another. Was it because you were too uncomfortable to push back or did not feel strong enough or competent enough to strike out on your own? Did you subconsciously decide to create an excuse so you wouldn't have to face it? Imagine an obstacle course with different obstacles that hinder your progress. You can let them stop you, or you can rise above your thinking and fear and leap over them, or crawl under, or go around. Because when you change your thinking, you see more options. Realize that we always come back to personality. Some of you are great risk takers. Some are a little more cautious and some are completely risk averse. Your limitation network is dependent upon three factors. And I call it a network because one limitation generally builds on another and another and another until you have this little network of limitations. Your relationship to risk is a big factor in how you structure your limitation network. Your ability to stop listening to the outer world is another factor. And then the third factor in your, relation, in your network is your relationship with your inner self. When you get to know your inner self and see the why and the who of who you are, you'll start to disassemble that limitation network. The really wonderful thing about this process is that because it's a network, when you take down one part of it, other sections will begin to dissolve as well. Rarely will the whole network dissolve all at once so that you suddenly feel no sense of self-limitation whatsoever, but you may find that certain areas do start to clear. And it's really fascinating to watch that, like, oh, I changed this over here and this other thing happened. Say a person's terrified of public speaking and they decide to go take a class and see if they can get over that. And as they go through the class, they begin to realize that they love public speaking and that they're good at it and people are interested in what they have to say. This person now steps out into the world with more confidence and with a different perspective on the world. Yet they may still have a set of limitations, mental and emotional, working in the background. They might feel that they're not good looking enough, or they might um, feel that uh, they're not smart enough, or they might feel that they don't well, do well in personal relationships. So there's usually something that's going on all the time, but they have, they have dismantled part of that network. You know, the list of how we limit ourselves is actually limitless. <laughs> but guess what? That list is not important. You don't need to write down yet another list of how you hold yourself back. If you can simply decide on one thing, one small thing to change or shift, you can really make a lot of progress. Perhaps you're always late. 
You can make a long list analyzing why you're late or why you simply, or you can simply decide just to try not to do that anymore. And as you go about changing your habit, your self-image will change from being the one who is always late, a limitation, to one who's punctual and present. Imagine how much would trickle down from this one change. There'd be more harmony with others, less stress, more time for yourself. And at some point, you may even discover how you developed that limiting thinking in the first place. But that's not the most important thing about this process. The most important thing is to keep yourself moving forward. Insights will come, and there will most likely be moments when you say, oh yeah, that, that's where that came from. And then you let it go without even analyzing it. That is true freedom from a limitation. Certainly you need to discover and acknowledge what is limiting you. But it's useless to try to remove every limitation you have developed. Taking on your network is a process of expansion and forward motion. Be kind to yourself. There's too much drama about limitation, limited thinking. And most of us have spent a great deal of time and effort developing our, or building our limitation networks in the first place. There really are truly works of art in their own way. And we're going to talk about lots of works of art during Faith in Action, by the way. But the thing is, is that even these works of art, there's time for, their time comes when you're ready for change. And when that time comes, realize that every limitation you set up for yourself served its purpose for that time. You did it for a reason. And the good news is that every limitation has a shelf life. So when you look at your limitations, you may well, well find something that has outlived its usefulness. Or you might find that you just want something different. When you are ready and open, new ideas flow in to help you see the potential of new ways of being in the world. For example, I had an interesting conversation with Reverend Donna Apodonio a few weeks ago. She asked me if I was excited because the podcast, Discovering Spirit Within, had exceeded 1,000 downloads. And my response was, I was happy about it because I'm happy that people are listening and I'm happy I'm not wasting my time. And then the next thing that came out of my mouth was, I said, I'm not special, I'm specialized. And we both went, ooh, that's a cool idea. <laughs> so I, obviously I started thinking about that. And I realized that one of the reasons I don't feel less than because I can't go out and be a CPA or a math professor is because A, I don't want to. And B, there are certain areas where I really shine and there are things that I want to do and my heart sings when I do them, so I don't feel less. The idea then went further. We all want and need to feel special, but in many ways, special is an outside thing. We depend on other people to make us feel special. And I went, wow, that's an interesting idea. And there's nothing wrong with that in healthy relationships, but look how we can go out of our way to be special, how we compromise ourselves, limit ourselves to get that very outer validation or to fit in. 
The more I thought about being specialized, the more I realized that being specialized means that I recognize the gifts that I do have, my God-given abilities, so to speak. And being specialized makes me special in a way that has nothing to do with anybody else. It comes from within, from my heart. It is an internal feeling of, yep, this is me, this is what I do, it's you and me, God, we're on a roll. Having worked through all these ideas, it seems that the proclamation, you are unlimited, doesn't necessarily mean that we are able to do every single thing under the sun individually. What it does mean is that each of us has unique, amazing talents and abilities within us that are unlimited. And when we engage in our unique specialization, all those talents come together in one amazing blaze of co-creation. We complement each other. We often hear about people who are what are now called on the spectrum. I see them as super specialized. They are amazingly adept in certain areas, and yet they, some of them can't even have a conversation with another human. And the truth is, is that we are all on a gigantic spectrum from very subtle to blatantly unusual. <laughs> you can just work that out for yourself in your private. <laughs> I was a little hesitant, honestly, to stand up here and talk about learning disabilities, especially my own, as a Sunday topic, but this is what was coming to me, and so I went for it. And in the process, I've come to realize that those who have such distinct differences are not disabled at all, but they really are just very, very specialized. And the difference is, is that most of us are specialized in much more subtle ways, such that we don't even recognize or understand that what we can do is much more important than we cannot do. I'm going to say that again. What we can do is so much more important than what we cannot do. We are spiritual beings, and the spiritual energy that flows in and through us is unlimited. Each of us has a unique set of potentialities that we can express in the ways that work for us. The power of the universe, the one source, is forever pulsing through us. The, that power is the same for everyone, everywhere all the time. The way that each of us chooses to express that energy, the way we specialize at what makes us different and interesting and useful. And so today, I encourage you to consider how you are specialized, to discover who you really are, how you can best express your inherent potential and discover who you are, and let your unique you shine for all the world. And so it is. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website 
at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Oh,